This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from Season 3, Episode 47. Our look at what might be the big stories of the next 6 to 12 months in Nashville. Plus, from the vault, a section from September 2021, which looked at the implications of the then-newly approved ELF test by FDA. This conversation starts with Louise Campbell and Jorn Schottenberg discussing the value of combination NIT biomarkers in developing patient treatment strategies. The key is that NITs are viable for use in widespread patient screening and staging, whereas biopsy is not. At this point, I shift focus to ask about several other issues that may come to the fore in the next year. First, the nomenclature conference, which Jorn describes as a moving target with a clear split between hemispheres. Asia is moving towards a concept more like metabolic-associated disease, but Europe and North America are not. He praises the ongoing consensus process as the best way to get to a unified solution. I mentioned the idea that while a name change will not have significant impact on the disease, we Defining the disease itself might lead regulators to disregard the vast amounts of research done for NASH indications, thereby setting the field back several years. Jorn agrees he cannot foresee a solution that pushes back drug or diagnostic approval. My last question returns to the issue of what changes we might see over the next year. Our answers vary and continue themes you've heard in earlier conversations. We're heading into an exciting time in Nashville. For example, our episode next week discusses four recent press releases from companies with promising clinical trial results. Today's conversation blends the excitement about those kinds of upcoming advances in drugs and diagnostics with questions about whether the underlying structure exists to take advantage of the new technologies as they evolve. It raises as many questions as it answers, if not more. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Louise Campbell. With all of the non-invasive technologies, the data outstrips, if you put it all together, or any biopsy data. So if we can use the strength of all of those together to look at the outcomes, then it has to be a way forward in getting drugs approved for market, but also their implementation because they suit patients. And I agree with you on, I cannot see any drug being approved with a life-threatening test. It's just not applicable. It's just not appropriate. And use for trial, absolutely. But actually going forward in the real world. I think there is overwhelming data that we can tie most of these NITs serially or sequentially to the outcomes that we want. That's the advantage of now having the non-invasive space developing. Hand over fist, really. We're rolling towards the bottom of the hour. There are a couple of other things that are going to happen in the next six months to a year that are worth, I think, commenting on at least briefly. Any expectations from the nomenclature conference and process? Jaren Schottenberg. The nomenclature conference is a moving target. I do see the split between the hemispheres, if you'd like. So with Asia making strong moves forwards towards the concept of metabolism, a dysfunction-associated fatty liver disease. But I do really like the consensus process where there is broad stakeholder involvement, discussion, and the aim to come up with something new that will help us both from stigma, from difficulties in identifying the disease, from many layers that have made this disease so complex, from moving away from a negative definition, from a histology-based definition to the future. I'm not sure the name is out there yet, but the academic discussion is good. I'm a little afraid that there is going to be too strong oppositions, two parties opposing each other, or two, two, two teams, if you'd like. I think we've got to keep on the academic debate around this and uh, let the data speak to itself. And then, of course, listen to patients and, and associate healthcare professionals, what they think. Quentin, 
did a paper on the a presentation on this in Dublin as part of the nomenclature session, where I think he made an important point, Jorn, that's in a slightly different direction than yours. Uh, if we let the data speak to itself, we might get to one place. But he was talking about if we were to change the definition of the disease, not the nomen, not not the name, but the definition, then how much work do you have to throw out? That's been done because the clinical trial work, the people who are strongly advocating changing the definition poo-poo that. But by the way, they tend not to be Americans. And the reason is that most of the aggressive drug development work gets done or funded in the States. And we all understand how the FDA plays. I thought Frank Anania pretty much made the point in Dublin that that was a risk. Immediately after that, one of the major advocates of metabolic, who's, who's a friend of mine, totally poo-pooed, he said, oh, that isn't going to be a problem. I said, why don't you think so? He said, oh, because it never is. And I said, well, there is no never. All you have in the liver right now on this is PBC. And there we changed the name, but we didn't really change what we were evaluating in the trials. So, Yoran, I guess my question to you, following up on yours, is do you see an outcome that has the potential to slow or imperil drug and, and diagnostic development? Or do you believe at the end of the day that that will be the line that nobody dares cross? We do not want to give up on the data and knowledge that's been generated. I think that's an important point. We do not want to give up on advances in drug development sphere. And the drugs that are going to be approved are not going to be approved for metabolic dysfunction-associated fatty liver disease, but for steatopatitis with fibrosis based on liver histology as a surrogate or liver histology in outcomes. There is a very clear difference here in terms of drug approval pathways. And I agree this is not going to be changed. And the change in definition is not going to affect that because the people we enrolled in trials are not... You may, you could change the nomenclature, but the way patients got into a trial is clearly defined in that it has to be kept consistently so for the drug development pathway. So I agree we should avoid a discussion. We say, well, everything is different. All the patients are different. Everything we've done doesn't count because now it's a new disease. Uh, there's a certain risk here, but I don't see the field going there. So what other developments do we see in the next few months? We've talked about some drug stuff, some T stuff, some clinical pathways issues, some policy issues. Where else do we think events might transpire over the next 6, 12 months? where if we record the same episode next year at this time, we look really uh, smart or stupid, take your pick. So I think we're going to be taking less about significant fibrosis, F2 and NASH as a druggable target. I think we'll focus more on the F3 compensated F4 outcome trials in patients with F4, how to risk stratify compensated cirrhosis, how to identify them because they have normal labs. We don't know they're out there yet. FIP4 might identify some of them, but that's not the final answer to get a compensated cirrhotic trial. We'll just address the more advanced disease population for two reasons. One, there's the biggest unmet need. There might be different in terms of how they respond to certain MOAs. Um, if there's no fat in the liver, can you then use a drug that defattens the liver and get a benefit out of it for the patient? And the second um, aspect is the whole dynamic of the disease changes here. Um, you get some stiffening with changes in vasculature, portal hypertension, even at a subclinical level. Um, there's so many more aspects to that that I think we're just starting to understand also in terms of biomarkers, the field will have its focus on that more advanced patient population is my guess. I suppose I can jump back to where we started. We may well see pockets of endocrinology starting to drive a little bit more education, a little bit more case finding within their populations. We comment, and Jean's already commented tonight, it's about education. If we can get the education in, we need to squeeze it from both.
both ends. We need to find the cases we can turn around to prevent NASH and get their lifestyle and then manage to better. But it's about awareness. If you don't know you could have a disease, you're not going to do anything about it. One of the key steps for me is that increasing of knowledge of people uh, who generally, the lifestyle side, getting awareness. If you can avoid being a patient at all costs, then it's something that you might want to do, particularly if it's in the family line, if you can avoid type 2 diabetes. So awareness for me is key, but that's going to start with the education. So I'd like to be seeing more awareness. I'd like to be seeing more early case finding and trying to change where some of the perspective. We will always stay around liver-related outcomes because we are hepatology. And that's where the key is for us, the F3 fibrosis, the F4s, the liver cancer. We do need to be looking to locate a lot more of that population. What is it Stephen says? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, we need to start squeezing from both ends to find the populations that count most and at highest risk currently. At the risk of totally torturing a pun, it sounds like a juicy prospect to me to do that. I think that's a lot, actually. With that, um, closing question. The single thing you would most like to see in the next year that feels like it might realistically happen? I would like to hope that NICE will get closer to approving Fibroscan for routine care. But am I overly hopeful while it stays bracketed specifically in just kilopascals rather than the all round? And I think if unless we change that, we are well behind future guideline changes because we're behind everybody else. We've recently had the Basel guidelines come out for quality for NAFLD and NASH, which talk about access to non-invasive technologies. So without NICE approving that, that's not going to happen. It'll still be blood tests and other mechanisms and we're back to square one. We get processes that we can't implement because we don't get the right processes implemented. I got to talk about drug approvals because I think we're going to see positive phase three data emerging. The whole momentum, the discussions with the regulators is going to be at the heart of, you know, getting an FDA approved drug. I feel we're, we're so close um, in, in, in closing on that first approved drug. So that's something for me very exciting because it's going to then, as we've discussed numerous times, change the math and the dynamics and provide us with more opportunities to serve these patients and provide uh, liver health. I agree with you. And my optimistic for the next 12 months is that we get two drugs. Because if we do, particularly given the two drugs we might get in the next 12 months, uh, first of all, I've said this on the podcast and kind of in the first speech I ever gave to NASHTAG in 2019, a rule of pharmaceutical marketing is the first one is whether and the second one is which. So when you have two drugs, the discussion changes from do I treat with a drug to which drug do I treat with? And that amplifies market growth and spending, number one. Number two is if we get two drugs and one of them is profoundly antifibrotic and the other one has defatting effects, then in fact, we're going to wind up taking a look at two different patient populations at the same time, which will really speed the education process. So the realistic thing I think might happen is that we get both of them. I'm not sure it will happen. This isn't what I do for a living. But if we do, I believe it will have impact that will be really dramatic. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next week to discuss exciting advances in drug development as highlighted by recent press releases from Acara, Poxel, Altimmune, and Accela. In the meantime, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Surfing Nash.